0: Completeness as far as we can, and I hope that you'll I hope that you'll see it for what it is. It's a blessing. Everything in the Word of God is a blessing, and it's something that's there to help us, even if it doesn't feel good uh, to to take it in. The Bible says, "As much as lieth in you, uh, live peaceably with all men." That's not not my favorite verse. There are some people in this world that I just don't want to try to live peaceably with, but it's there and it's true. And I've found that when I do that, it is better. Even though my flesh says, no, no no, 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 don't live peaceably with that person. Uh, so let's pray and then we'll dive into the scripture see what the Lord has for us in First Peter chapter 2. Lord we thank you for this day. thank you for your word. Thank you for, Lord thank you for people in this church that love one another and want to, uh, want to go the extra mile and, and, and lift one another up in prayer. Lord, thank you for that burden that people have and, uh, and willingness shown. Lord, I pray you please help us tonight now as we open your word. Together, help us to, uh, Lord, to study it, to believe it, and to, Lord, get a blessing from it. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, and starting in verse number 13, the Bible says submit. Now, that right there, you can just stop right there and preach for 10 days. Submit. There's verses in the Bible that start with submit and the rebels don't like it, and the feminists don't like it, and the husbands, and nobody likes it except for, you know, the one verse that talks about wives, the husbands tend to like that one. But, um, but the word submit, I don't know of anybody that loves submission without the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we don't want to be submissive underneath someone. We want to have our way. We want to, we want to run the show, or even not just run the show, but not have other people tell us what to do. And especially the people in this verse. Especially them. Verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evil doers and for the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, this passage—you read this passage—and and if you're anything like me, you read this passage and you start immediately looking for a way out. <laughs> Submit to every ordinance of man, but what about speeding? I don't want—I don't want to go fifty-five in a fifty-five, and why is this road forty? I want to go forty-five, and—and and, you know, we think about, well, it's not that big a deal; it's not that important, and. And then, you, you know, you get to bigger things like, well, but the government's doing this and but the authorities are doing that. And and I can I just remind you, God knew how authorities behaved when he wrote this down. God's not surprised by by what this administration or the last administration or what the next administration does. He wrote this at a time when Christians were being persecuted and killed for their faith. And he said, obey those authorities that 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 Roman governor that just had your best friend murdered because he was a Christian, if he tells you to do something and it doesn't contradict my word, do it. That's tough, that's hard, that's not an easy thing, and it doesn't come naturally to us because we're mankind we have, part of our fallen nature is a is this desire to do things our way, which isn't always bad, but to do things and not be told what to do. There's always quite a debate concerning these verses as uh, very few people like to be told what to do, especially by those in authority over them. We whine, we fight, we complain every time uh, through every government action uh, as though we expect anything but corruption from the government. It's a human government. It's mankind. Some of you have horror stories of, of what church leadership has done in the past, and you think those were saved people. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't think there's a overwhelming majority of saved people in power in our nation today and so what what can we expect from a government and from governmental authorities other than corruption and wickedness and, and all the things that we see in, in authority? It is, a, it is a difficult thing to obey the Lord sometimes in this passage. Some people have a really easy time with it. They say, okay, government shut down our church. Okay, well, I won't go to church. And they have no trouble with it. Some people do, and sometimes the government tells you to do something, and the Bible does say, no, don't do that, and people are all too willing to take the pill and drink the Kool-Aid. And, and so we'll, we'll, we'll get to both sides of this thing, but I just want to start with the disclaimer of God, seeing, God sees every sparrow that falls. He has numbered every hair on your head, and yet there are some things throughout human history that authorities have done that He did not step in and stop. Way back in the days of Amalek and Dagon, they had kids that, they, you know, families that would put their kids through the fire, meaning they would sacrifice their human children to these gods. And, you know, God didn't step in and stop it. He eventually did by sending Israel to wipe out the, the people and take the promised land as their own, but even that didn't go so well. Murder of Israelite boys by the Egyptians. Remember, the Egyptians said there's too many of them. Every baby that's born that's a male, kill them. God, God didn't step in and stop that. Murder of the children in Bethlehem by Herod when Christ was born. You know, a whole bunch of people lost their children for no good reason at the order of those in authority, and God didn't stop that. And Christians being burned at the stake, beheaded, tortured, God didn't stop that. Now, if God were to step in and stop every wrong thing people would do, then there would be no free will. There would be no ability for mankind to have any day in which God doesn't step in and just send fire and brimstone. Because we make bad choices all pretty often, and we hurt other people pretty often, and those that are in, ruler, in leadership in nations throughout history have done things contrary to the Word of God pretty much all the time. And so if God were to step in and take control, uh, we wouldn't even like that, because guess what? He does that in His millennial kingdom. He steps in, takes control, and He has to rule with what? A rod of iron. He has to rule with a rod of iron. And when He has set up a righteous kingdom and reigned in righteousness for a thousand years, what do the people of the earth do? They try to overthrow Him. And so mankind doesn't like even God's authority over them. And yet God says we need to obey the authorities, obey the ordinances that are given to us by the authorities that are over us. The problem is we, we have to have this balance. We have to understand God is interested in saving souls, not nations. There's one nation God said He would save, and that was Israel. And we're not Israelites unless you're unless you're a born born Israelite today. Congratulations, you won the lottery twice, Israelite American. But um, but God is interested in saving souls, not nations. You know how you can save a nation is by getting the people saved. You want to say you want to see America turn back? Well, I say back to God. I don't know if we were ever with God, but. Turn towards God and seek revival. Start with your neighbor. Start with your family. Start with your coworkers, and and turn people to Christ. And when people turn to Christ, start living by the Bible. Guess what? They're going to share your values. They're going to share your political preferences. And so, if we'll just focus on what God's focused on, then the other things will come along as well. It's just kind of a, an effect, a cause and effect there. We're we're so privileged in America to have still. <laughs> Though it's, less, it's eroded more and more, we still have more freedom than any other nation. Freedom to push back against government actions that we don't like. Freedom to vote and vote people out. Freedom to vote and to speak our minds and to protest. And I believe Christians should take part in trying to steer America towards righteousness to the best of our abilities. We should get involved in making a better future for our kids. But God didn't command us to be political. He commanded us to be spiritual. He didn't command us to strive for power or for majorities, but to walk in the Spirit. And so Christians today, a a lot of Christians I feel like they'll just use anything the government does wrong as an excuse to just cast aside the Word of God here and say, well, the government, this is wrong. This isn't scriptural. God never said, obey the ordinance if it's scriptural. God said, obey the ordinance. And the only out we have isn't if it's not scriptural, it's if it contradicts or forces you to contradict the Word of God. There's a difference there. If the government tells you to pay taxes to support somebody else's laziness, that's not scriptural. But it's also not something where God says you can go ahead and disobey that because it's not scriptural. You know how many laws we would get to disobey if they, if they, if they only went by scriptural laws? Pretty much all of them. There's not a whole lot of laws in our land that are biblical laws. And, and so we need to know where this line is drawn. We need to... Uh, consider that while we should be partaking in politics in the sense of we have the freedoms, we have the privilege to be able to do that, to have the freedom to do that, we should, so we don't lose it for our children. We cannot do that at the expense of our Christian testimony or the duties that God has called us to first and foremost. Husband got to be a husband. Father's got to be a father. Mother's got to be a mother. And and we got to do all these things first that God has called us to. And then with the energy and the time we have left, if you have a skill and an ability that God has given you that would do well with you know, working into the politic, political arena, then there you go. But you don't abandon the things God has given you first and foremost in order to chase after uh, saving a country. God has called us to do that to save souls, not nations. And so we need to have a balance. That's, that's the main thing. A lot of people, they go one side or the other with this debate. They say, well, we should... Disobey, and we should be—you know—we should stand against the government in every way, and all that stuff. And I think that's wrong. And and you go to the other side. Well, we just—if there's a—if the government says to not have church, we can't have church. If the government says we have to track everybody that comes into our service, we have to track them. No, that's wrong. You you can't go from—you can't go to the far left. You can't go to the far right. You got to go right where the Bible is and say, okay, this is what the Bible says. So this is what we're going to do. Now, we as a church have. Disobeyed our fair share of ordinances because we felt that scripturally it was it was time to say no. When the when the powers at be said no more church uh, and no you know no meetings over a certain size, we said whosoever will may come shall come. We opened the doors and said come on in, and and we we only closed them when we didn't have a preacher or song leader or Sunday school teacher or nursery worker or piano player because they were all sick. Uh, if if we'd have had a couple more key people healthy, we'd have still had church even when we were all infected. Because it's hey, come if you want to come. We weren't so you so don't get upset and say always oh, preaching, always obey. No, we don't obey all the time here. We are a bad example of that, uh, but a good example of where the line is drawn. I think so. We got to remember the 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 way out. Where's the way out in these verses? Let's read these verses again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now, we all already know, you're already running in your heads to places in the Bible where people disobey. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel in the lion's den. Acts chapter 5. Uh, you know, we, we'd rather obey God than men. And, and, and that's all good. That's all right. And I, I believe that we have that right here in these verses where we can look at even in these verses and say, okay, not every ordinance is something we can obey Because, you notice in the verses, what what did it say? Verse 15, the Bible says, With well doing. With well doing. You cannot murder a child at the behest of the government and say, I'm doing well. The Bible said in verse 16, as the servants of God. You, You can't disobey God and say, I'm serving God. And so when the government, when the ordinance says disobey God, when the ordinance says do this that is against God's law or don't do this that God requires you to do, it is at that point when we say, government, sorry, can't do it. Authorities, sorry, can't obey it. We're going to stick with God. We don't choose where that line is. Because if you choose where that line is yourself, then whatever is most important to you, you are all of a sudden playing God. You are saying, well, because the government says this and it annoys me, I'm going to pretend that it's a spiritual thing and I, I'm not going to obey it and I'm going to use you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as my, my, my crutch. Problem is, if you can't point to the Bible and say the Bible says do not do this and they're making me do this or the Bible says do this and they're refusing to let me do this, then you're just going based off of your preferences. That's not good. If I went off my preferences, which what laws I would obey and not obey, some of you probably know I, I would never wear a mask because my preference is to not look like a fool. My preference is to follow the science and, and know that they do nothing and know that they don't help. But But because I value my Christian testimony and my wife needs to go to the doctor, I'll put it on for that little bit of time and I'll sit there and I'll probably not be as Christian about it as I should and I'll complain, and whine, and and then when I open the door, I she would, Michelle hates going out places like that with me because I, I open the door and I go, <gasps> as if I was going to die without another breath of fresh air, but, but it's just, you know, I so technically I obeyed. As soon as I got out that door, I made it very clear that it was not not my preference, but if it was your preference to, you know, if we went by our preferences on to what laws we obeyed to disobey, that would be that'd be kind of a mess. And and I've seen, we've even seen some very well-known Christian people who have tried to say, well, the Bible's, they've tried to pretty much create this web of if you look at this and there and that there, and this means this and that says that, and, and in the end, this means I get to do what I want. And and uh, how many of you know the name Kent Hovind? Okay. He was, he. Yeah, see, not, not many people now because he went and ruined his own ministry. He he was a creation scientist guy. He he would uh, put out videos and they were great, very good informational videos. I still, I recommend them highly. Uh, very good stuff that talks about evolution and talks about the evidence. And, and it's very interesting and it's very practical and it's all very scriptural. And, and I really love it. But he had this opinion that, well because of what the government does with the money that I pay in taxes, I'm not going to pay my taxes. I'm going to disobey that ordinance of man because I feel like I shouldn't have to pay my taxes. Now I'm paraphrasing, of course, it's you could get into the details of the case and everything. He ended up having his home raided and his place raided and going to jail. And now he, I believe he's out now. I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah, he's out now. And But he doesn't have the the reach he once had. Once you do something like that, the world will look at you and say, yeah, but you're a criminal. You kind of lose some of that testimony and it's not so clear cut. You can just say, well, I got thrown in jail for preaching. Then obviously it's like, yeah, I'm a criminal. I preached. You say, well, I got thrown in jail for not paying my taxes. Now it sounds like you just don't want to pay your taxes because, I mean, who does? Everybody doesn't want to pay their taxes when the Christian says, well, because I'm a Christian, I won't pay my taxes. Well, now you make people even more not like Christians because, well, we, just, we get to pick and choose what laws we obey because of our crave. So you have to, if you're going to say, I'm disobeying this ordinance because of the Bible, you're going to have to point to a chapter and a verse in context and be able to show God commands me to behave in this way. That law is contrary. I will not obey it. So so that's, that's the line. That's where the line is now. Uh, I want you to do something with me. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter number 1. God does not consider... There's a lot of laws that God does not consider well-doing. You can't murder your own child in an abortion and and be doing well or be the servant of God. But nobody's being forced to have them yet. I'm sure that's probably not that far down the line. But... um, there's some things that exist that are legal, but they're not forced or they're not required. And there's some things that are beginning to be forced and required that are things that every Christian should say no to. Um, but, but the way we put to silence the foolish and ignorant men, as the verse told us, is by well-doing. Essentially by obeying those in authority in every way we can so that without disobeying our God. So they can't say, look at those troublemaking Christians. That's what Nero did in Rome. He said, "Look at those troublemaker Christians. We should just kill them all." <laughs> we don't want to do that. We don't have that testimony. In Exodus chapter one. We're going to read uh, verse eight, eight through twelve. The Bible says, "And Moses and Aaron were brought in." Oh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter. What? Why do I? Have? Okay, I went to chapter ten. My brain is a little befuddled today. <laughs> Exodus chapter one, verse number eight. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it came to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. He said, Hey, these guys that are living in our land, these guys that you know, have this land grant with us, they're getting too strong. Verse 11, therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Phidom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now, that's, that's the situation. If you skip down to verse 22, you see Pharaoh's solution. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, every son that is born, ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. At night... That's the first eugenics program, pretty much. It's just, you know, okay, well, if it's an Israelite male, dead. That's Planned Parenthood, right? Margaret Sanger, she wanted to reduce the number of, of blacks and soldiers and farmers and all kinds of different things. You can look up her quotes. She's the founder of Planned Parenthood. She was eugenicist. And I know people are going to be mad at me about that, but hey, it's truth. Oh, well, it's an unpopular thing, but it's the Truth. <laughs> That's what the intent was, and that's what's happened. You look where Planned Parenthood centers are; they're not in the ritzy, ritzy neighborhoods. They're in the neighborhoods that have certain populations. and Now I'm going to get in trouble and get accused of being oh, people of color can be in ritzy neighborhoods, whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're 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 doing this even today. But here we have this command from Pharaoh. He says, if it's a boy, if it's if it's a boy and it's an Israelite, throw it in the river. They they got crocodiles in those rivers. Maybe alligators, I don't know. I don't know my I don't know my reptiles. But um but it's a murder. And you notice though we skipped some verses. If you back up to verse number thirteen or I'm sorry, verse number fourteen, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, and all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Sephar, and the name of the other, Pua. There you go, there's a good name for a daughter. can you imagine that? There's two midwives listed for all of Israel. That's not a whole lot of midwives. They were probably pretty busy. (laughs) Pretty busy. Verse number 16, and he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Verse seventeen. But the midwives feared God, and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. This is these women disobeying authority. Now, obviously, First Peter has not been written yet, but the the judgment remains the same. And so here they have drawn a line. They're under rigorous labor. the the The, the Egyptians are being mean to them. They're They're making taskmasters over them. And and they're, they're doing all these things, and now they come to the midwives, and they say, you need to murder these children, and they, they fear God. They say, no, we fear God more than you. But well, what do they do? Verse 18. I'm sorry, so they, so they keep them alive. Verse 18, the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? This is pretty good. This is where, you know, the Bible says don't lie. But then you read verses like this. And the midwife said unto Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. So whether this is complete truth or partial truth, they say, well, by the time we get there, our job's done, the baby's born, it's in the mother's arms. You know, we, it's, we've passed our ability to, to perform the job that you want us to do. And uh, I think that's kind of funny. They almost start insulting the. The Egyptian women there, they're like, well, they're not like the Egyptian women. They get the job done quick. (laughs) They, They go fast. Verse 20, Therefore God dealt with the midwives, and the people have multiplied and waxed very mighty, and it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So what they did didn't stop the government from being the government and the bad guy from being the bad guy and the sorrow from happening, but they took no part in it. They said, we will not put this blood on our hands and God blessed them for that. And then Pharaoh said, fine, we'll do it Our do it another way. And that, that's what happens. That's just what this world does. You, you stop one bad guy. Here comes another. It's sin. The problem is sin. The solution is Christ. And, and so here we have this example, and it's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's just like Daniel in the lion's den. It's just like all these other examples in the Word of God where people are commanded to do something very clearly against the Lord and against His will. And they say, okay, there's the line. I'm not crossing it. I'm not crossing it. Now, of course, keep in mind, the law being broken here was a law that required cold-blooded murder of infants based solely upon their race and sex. That's a far cry from the unbelievable government demand that we pay taxes or have building permits or anything like that. Those things are certainly annoying. And, I mean, annoy- if there was a stronger word for annoying that wasn't a curse word, you know, that's what it that is. There, there, there's some very annoying things that our authorities do that that are... In our line of, I really don't want to obey this, but God has a different standard than us. God has a different line than us. We've got to keep that in mind. Um, so the only way out we have that gets us by 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17, is when the authorities are actively forcing us to do something expressly forbidden, forbidden blah, expressly forbidden by God's law or preventing us from doing something that expressly is commanded by God's law. If the government says you can't have church, guess what? We're having church. They said we're gonna throw you in jail if you have church. Guess what? We're gonna have church in jail. It's just what's gonna happen. It'll be me and Brother Ken and a few others and, and we might have some people that decide to just, you know, live to fight another day or whatever they wanna say, and but we're gonna have a church service in jail. And and that's just how it's gonna be, because God commands us to meet together, and God commands us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and God commands us to preach the nation to the nation. So if we're street preaching, they say you can't do that anymore, you gotta stand here and not there, and you gotta do this and that and the other, and we'll say, Nope, sorry. First amendment, we're preaching. They say, Okay, we'll throw you in jail, be like, All right, we'll see you at the Supreme Court. We're gonna win. We'll fight the fights that God wants us to fight, and the fights that we just fight because they're annoying. We got to remember, like, okay, nothing wrong with exercising our freedoms, but don't say, "Well, this is God fighting this battle." It's just you not liking something. God has a line, and we have a line, and those lines don't always match up. The three Hebrew children, the fire furnace, they were ordered to worship something that wasn't God. They refused, and this is clear cut. You, You know. People, oftentimes, they'll they'll take these reaches and these leaps in order to make something seem like something else. This is very clear-cut. Bow or die. Worship or die. And and nothing going on today is bow or die or worship or die. There's there's nothing that clear-cut as far as worshiping something that isn't God. There's a lot of people doing it, but there's not a command, there's not a law. Daniel in the lion's den ordered not to pray to God. Well, the government doesn't even need a law for that. Most Christians don't do it. It's a sad, sad condition. I'm, like Brother Ken said, I'm thankful one of the things COVID did for us is reminded people they could pray. And so that's good. Uh, the disciples in Acts 5, they were ordered not to preach Christ. And they went and preached Christ. They got arrested and they said, hey, don't preach Christ. And we're going to beat you up and don't preach Christ. And they got beat up and then what did they do? They rejoiced that they were kind of worthy to suffer shame for His name and daily. In the temple and in every house, they cease not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Because there's a line there that they said, this is a God thing. This is not just a preference. This is not just my opinion. This is God. And he says no, so I say no. This is God, and he says yes, so I say yes. And that is is the line that is drawn in the sand. In these situations, people correctly chose to offend mankind instead of offending God, to disobey man's laws in order to obey God's laws. In all three situations, the people of God had to face persecutions for disobeying man's law, and in every case, God protected them. Sadly, today, as I mentioned, we have Christians willingly worshiping things that are not God. They're worshiping the rich and famous. They're worshiping their entertainment. They're worshiping family and friends and and their self and anything but God. They're putting everything else above God, and that's, that's wrong. And nobody's telling them to do it. They're just willingly doing it. We have Christians quitting on prayer or praying with little frequency and even less power and no, no government is saying you can't pray to your God. They just don't. We have Christians who have never been told not to preach. Never been threatened. Never been intimidated. And yet they choose to never open their mouths about Jesus Christ. And those same people will say, you know, if the government ever bans Christianity, I'm going to go to jail. No, you're not. You're a sellout and a coward. Well, no, that's mean. Too bad. There's a lot of sell out coward Christians out there that, well, Christians out there that claim the name of Christ, but they don't do anything Christ said do. They do whatever they want to do, and then they use God as their excuse if they get in trouble. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's not salvation. Salvation is I love my God for what he's done for me. I'm going to obey him. And if the government gets in the way of me obeying him, I'm going to obey him. That's, that's Christianity. That's faithfulness. America's a mess. We know this. Many of the laws are terrible. Many are unrighteous. Most of them are not scriptural. And yet the law of God forces us to obey a lot of the laws of man that we don't want to obey. And the reason given was essentially to be a witness and to be a testimony. So that those ignorant, foolish men, as the Bible calls them, can see us and see something different in us. We talk about sometimes how you know how you go through tragedy as a witness, you know, somebody you lose a family member and you go through that and you lean on God and you have faith in God and, and you don't respond the way some people respond. You don't turn to the drugs, you don't turn to the alcohol, you don't get bitter and angry at God, and people see that and they know there's something different about that. It's the same thing with first with Peter chapter two. It's the same thing with, with obey obeying the ordinance of man. Because if I break every law I can all the time then when I break the law that says no more preaching, it's not a surprise to anybody. But if I have a clean record and a clean slate, and I'm and I you know, as best as I can, <laughs> I'm obeying things, and then I put my foot down and say, "Nope, here's the line." That's more noticeable. Then the world around says, "Wait a second! All the Christians suddenly are not okay with this. Maybe we should take a step back and reconsider what's going on here. Maybe we should see why they're willing to go to jail over this." Not, oh, well, he's willing to go to jail over anything. You know? So Romans 14.12 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You are going to give account of yourself. I'm going to give account of myself. I'm going to give account. I'm a pastor. I'm going to give account of myself and how I minister to all of you. And sometimes that is what drives me to do the things I do. It's not that I want to. Not that I desire to. It's that I am responsible for the spiritual well-being of this church and, and its people. And, and, you know, you, you're going to give account of yourself. I'm going to give account of myself. But if I don't preach the whole, the whole testimony of God, that, that blood's on my head. If I don't tell the truth for, for fear of offending someone, if I don't do what the Holy Spirit says for fear of making somebody upset, that's on me. That's not on them. And so, lucky me, I get to give myself, my account of myself and everybody else. But the Bible says we'll give account of ourselves. I'm not going to go and stand before God and He's going to say, look what your nation was doing. He could say that to every person who's ever lived. Name one nation that was obeying and serving God wholeheartedly other than Israel for brief blips of time throughout the Old Testament after miraculous things. So, I want to go back one last time to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 13. 1 Peter 2 and verse 13. Good to be in church tonight. Yeah. All right. Hey, that was that was better than I expected there. First <laughs> Peter two, verse thirteen. Now keep in mind, at the point in history when First Peter is being penned down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, at that point, governments have sacrificed children to false gods. Governments have have. Just uh, every imaginable wickedness you could ever conceive has been done by authorities, because authorities are what they're men, and and they and every conceivable horrible thing that you could look up in history, it's happened. And then we come to this passage, and we read this passage, knowing that God knew about all of that. And God knew how authorities would behave. And God knew what laws would be created. And God still, in His wisdom, wrote down 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the King as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by Him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free. It doesn't say you are free, it says as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. One of the things that sets us apart as Christians, it's not just our prayer life, it's not just our reaction to sorrows, it's not just giving to a church, it's not it's not just those things that we point at a lot. It's also our obedience to things we don't want to obey. Because those without Christ, they just, they don't, if they don't want to obey the government, they don't obey the government. We don't want to obey the government a lot of times, for honest to ourselves, but we do because we have a God that we're accountable to that says, hey, you need to do this so that you have a testimony that honors me. So you have a testimony that will bring others to me, you have a testimony that won't damage the cause of Christ. You notice that last that verse there, um, verse 17, honor all men. That's a hard, <laughs> that's a hard thing. Honor all men. You say, well, that's not a man. <laughs> There's some people I've heard that said about and I absolutely agree. The Bible says honor all men. Now what? What amount of honor? What degree of honor? I'm gonna leave that to your private interpretation. The Bible says there's no private interpretation, but that's what I'm, I'm saying right here. Is just you know whatever honor means to you. There, there you go. The Bible says honor all men, love the brotherhood. Difference between honor and love. I'd, I'd rather be loved than honored any day. I'd, I'd rather have a, a family of brothers and sisters in Christ that love me, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. You notice there, the king is a man, right? It says honor all man. And then it repeats for that position of power. Because guess what position of power the most people are gonna be upset with? The top. The pastor is the one that people get most upset with at the church because he's the one up at the top. Everybody sees him. Everybody thinks that everything that happens is because he orchestrated it and all that good stuff. That the governor is the peop- thing people hate in the states because that's all oh, that's the top position, you know. And whether it's Republican, Democrat, there's always this fight to. You know, people say, oh, he's got a 56 approval rating. That's terrible. <laughs> That's a failing grade in any test. But it's like, oh, it's wonderful. We have 56% of people don't hate us. <laughs> you know why God repeats himself? Because we need it. He says, honor all men. Well, that would cover whoever is in the position of king. But at the end of the verse, he says, oh, by the way, honor the king. Because he knew people would read that and say, well, that can't mean that guy. He said, no, yeah, that means that guy too. Now I am uh, I am just as guilty of anybody as <laughs> t- depending on your definition of honor and your definition of man I'm as guilty as anybody of of not honoring uh certain kings in recent years including this one It's very hard sometimes to honor somebody that uh is harder to understand than my 3-year-old f- it's very hard to honor somebody that is so against God. It's very hard to honor somebody that, that does things and decrees things that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God, that are that are disastrous for, uh, for any nation and for our own nation and for the future generations. It's hard to honor that person, but the Bible says, honor that person, and if they make a law that is against my law, you side with God, not man. If they make a law that you don't like, but it's not commanding you to break my law, then Honor God, side with God by obeying Not fun to hear it. We like we like to just you know argh, hate the government all the time, you know, because it's easy to do. But the Bible says there are certain ways in which we honor God, and one of those ways is by honoring the king, by honoring men, by obeying every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Until that line is crossed, where we can honestly look at the Word of God and say, it is so clear anybody could see, I will not murder these baby boys. I will not bow before this image. I will not cease to pray to my God. I will not cease to fellowship with the brethren. I will not cease to preach the gospel in the streets. The problem the church faces today is not the government telling people they can't be Christian. It's getting Christians to be Christians. It's sad, but it's true. There's a lot less people fighting the good fight against the government in order to be allowed to preach on the streets in their town than there are Christians in church scolding the person preaching on the streets. I would say it's about equal. The times that we've been yelled at and, and things like that for being out in public in, in, the, in my experience, it's about equal how many times it's an unsafe person versus somebody who claims to be a Christian. So sometimes we look at the government, we say, that's the problem. Well, duh, always. It's men, and it's unsaved men. It's, it's always going to be a problem. But the bigger problem that we face in America today is getting Christians to be Christians so that the government has something to shut down. So the government has. So if the government makes a law that's anti-God, there actually is backlash because there's people that obey God. That's the trouble. That's the trial. That's the, the, the heartbreak to me is, you you see like Daniel and the lions, Den. He refused. You know he he keeps on praying even though he's going to get fed to the lions for it. I, and yet we preach and preach on prayer and we talk about how prayer works, and so many people just don't pray. And the the disciples they get they get thrown in jail and they and for their preaching and they get beaten and told don't preach again and and they just preach and preach and preach no matter the consequences and they would become martyrs for the faith. And today it's like you say, okay, we're all going to go at the street corner and stand out there with signs that say Jesus saves and we're going to preach to people walking by and we're going to give them tracts. You you wonder how many people in the average church would sign up for that today. Now Some of you would because I know you. But there's a lot of people in churches today. Most churches, you get outside of the Baptist churches and there's not a lot of people that would sign up for that. We had one time, I'll tell you this and then we'll be done. We had one time we were at the Tigers game, Detroit Tigers baseball. We were at the one of the World Series games in Detroit. And uh, we were we were out there. We were handing out tracks, John and Romans. We had, I think, 13 or 15 people from our church there. And, and at the time, our church was running about 200 on a Sunday morning. And I only tell you that because it's pertinent to the story. Um, and there was a group on the other, across the street, uh, across the corner, which is a huge intersection there in Detroit, but uh, they were across the way, and they had a couple of people hang out tracks, and they had a guy with a bullhorn and a big sign, and they were they were preaching. And they weren't being the the bad street preachers that just preach hell, 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 hell. They were preaching the gospel. They were preaching about Jesus and salvation, and and of course, hell was mentioned, but it wasn't the main theme like some preachers tend to do. And so they were doing great. I was like, man, these guys are doing good job. I'm gonna go see what church they're from, and you know, see get, find out more about them. I went over there and they, they said, hey, we noticed you guys. Where are you from? And I was like, oh, we're from Faith Baptist Church. They said, all of you? I said, yeah, there's only like 13 of us. He's like, only? There were 13 of them and they were from 10 churches. And three of the churches had membership roles over 500. They said, this is all we can ever get. They said, nobody will do it. That means thousands of people could have been there with them proclaiming the gospel at that game. Can you imagine? Even even just using our own church as an example in Michigan, if, if everybody that showed up on a Sunday morning just showed up to an outreach event outside at, at, a, at a thing like that, 250 people, can you imagine? I think our record was like 37, which was incredible. The problem is not only the government saying you can't preach, you can't pray, you can't worship God the way you should, problem is nobody wants to anyways. That's the worst problem in our country right now. Christians don't want to do it. At least not the way that the Bible says it should be done. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to be done. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and all we can learn from it. Lord, thank you for the reminder, even for myself. Lord, I struggle sometimes with honoring all men and with uh, obeying the ordinances of men. And Lord, uh, help me, help us to always know where that line is. Lord, help us to go by the convictions you give us and by the Word. Lord, help us to be able to uh, stand upon your Word when we do draw a line in the sand. Lord, And help us to be willing to draw that line. Help us to be willing to face anything, any punishment in order to still preach, any punishment in order to still pray, any punishment in order to still meet together. Lord, help us to always, regardless of the legality of, of what we are supposed to do as Christians, help us always to live for you. Lord, help us to know where that line is so that we only cross it when you say it's necessary, Lord, not just when we are annoyed. Lord, help us to honor you in our behavior and our responses. And Lord, help us just to have a heart for living the way you would have us to live. Lord, there's so many people out there dying and going to hell. Help us to be concerned about that. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Ken, We're going to sing page 391 tonight. I would encourage you, whether you come to the altar or pray at your seats, I would encourage you to, as we pray, maybe spend a little time in prayer for not only yourself, of course, if that's necessary, if the God's talked talk to your heart tonight, but also just for, for our nation, for our churches, for Christians to wake up and realize that the Word of God desires so much from us that we are not doing